How about now? That's better. Okay, back to the beginning. As, no. <laughs> you with me so far? Thank you, Begging. How are we able to sit at his feet? What habits can we develop to grow in Christ as disciples? It is obvious in our text here that Jesus sees value in sitting at his feet and hearing his words. Amen? There is value today. There is great value today in sitting at the feet of the Master. So what do we have to do to find ourselves at the feet of the Master? What do we have to do? I want to point out a couple of things. And, and this morning's message is, is a real practical daily life kind of message. Okay? Last week we were sort of more ethereal. This week we're, this week we're how's, it, how's it work every day for us in our lives? So how do we find ourselves at his feet? Number one, we must position ourselves. Say position. We must position ourselves. I think we have to both physically and mentally position ourselves to be at his feet. If you are mentally prepared to spend communion time with him, but the location and the posture that you're in do not allow it, it's going to be difficult. Okay? You with me? Rhonda has a prayer closet. Literally. That is her little hiding place when she seeks to isolate herself and get with God. So, the place that you choose is a factor in this. I've heard people say that they're the only way, the only place they can get away <laughs> is, is is the bathroom or on the way <laughs> or on the or on the way to work in the car or on the way to work in the car. If you are in a physical pit place that allows for quiet time in the Lord, but your mind is all over the place. That's difficult, too. So I want to suggest to us this morning that we give serious thought to how we position ourselves physically and how we position ourselves mentally, emotionally, to be in the presence of the Lord. All right? I want to suggest that in positioning ourselves... It takes a little preparation. It takes a little thought. It might take a little block on your electronic schedule. How many of you go by your electronic schedule? Some of us, yes. Some of us are ruled by it. I know if I don't get an appointment on both of my two calendars, which are on my iPhone, if I don't get that appointment in both of those places, there's a good chance that Scott's going to miss an appointment. We had a leadership meeting at our, at, our, at our company, not this month, but the previous month, and I had put it on my company calendar, but I hadn't put it on my personal calendar. How many of you know that if you don't look at your calendar, <laughs> if you don't look at your calendar, you're, 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 you know, you, you, don't, you, don't have a, you don't have a prayer. I want to submit to you that positioning yourself to have quiet time with the Lord takes a little thought, takes a little preparation. All right? I want to suggest to you that the place, the physical place, where you go to have quiet time for the Lord is an important aspect of it. 
It's one of the reasons that I felt when I first spent time in this sanctuary that this could be a place for us to pray. That this could be a place for us to pray. You'll see changes here as time goes on. But I, the same way that I pray that you feel at home here to come and pray, I hope you have a place at home. I hope you have a place at home where you know you can come and pray. Say position. Position is important. Position is important. Where was Mary? At Jesus' feet. At Jesus' feet. Position is important. Mary chose not to be in the kitchen. Mary chose to be at his feet. Mary chose to be at his feet. We are not going to criticize Martha today. We love our Marthas. We love our Marthas. But we're going to point out the importance of some, of some spiritual priorities. Amen? Amen. Secondly, we must have open ears. We must have open ears. The text says that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet listening to what he had to say. To what he had to say. Okay? We have to have open ears. The discipline of listening in our lives is so important here and is important in our daily lives, isn't it? I had a doctor remove wax buildup in my ears last week. Ew. Playing a saxophone with wax buildup in your ears, is, it's excruciating. It rattles inside of your head. It's terrible. It is amazing the difference that it has made in my hearing, friends. If, if some of you looked at me and, and, and said something to me in the last couple of weeks and I just completely zoned, it's because I couldn't hear you because I had wax in my ears. This doctor was very kind to help me. In fact, when I drove away from the appointment, I thought there was a window open in my van because I hadn't been able to hear the wind noise from my left ear, which was so... Anyway. My hearing had gradually gotten so bad that I couldn't hear that wind noise. The text says that Mary was listening to what the master said. Let's not so quickly just pass over that little nugget in our text, okay? That, that's one that you could pass over, isn't it? You know, you, you read some of these texts, um, and, and you just kind of buzz past part of it and go on to the, and go on to the next thing. I think, I think this could be part of that. So Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his, to his words, and Martha... You know, you could, you could just pass on. Folks, when you're, when you're reading a scripture, just, just pause a second. Let's look at that verse again. Because God might have a nugget there. There might be a little something there. I think the fact that Mary was listening to his words is a little nugget here. I think it's a little truth here. More than just being in close proximity to the master, more than just being in fellowship with the disciples in the circle, Mary listened to what Jesus said. More than just hanging out in the vicinity, Mary opened her ears, opened her mind, and by inference opened her heart to what Jesus had to say. Mary listened to what, he, to what he said. Psychologists and leadership training types tell us that listening is one of the most important skills that a person can learn. Amen? You ever sat in a session where somebody talked about the skill of learning to listen? Rabbit trail alert. Husbands, 
does your wife ever say to you, Honey, did you hear what I just said? I must confess to you that concentrated, concentrating, concentrated listening, concentrated listening is a discipline, is a skill that I have to work on from time to time. Amen? She's trying not to laugh hard. Did you hear what I just said to you, honey? <laughs> Mary was not only sitting at his feet, she was listening to what he had to say. She was listening to what he had to say. What do we miss, friends? What do we miss when we fail to listen? When we fail to listen. Now, you're a captive audience, so you're sitting here listening to me. But in the context of a group of people, especially a group of believers, somebody, friends, somebody might just make a comment that just hits you right where it needs to. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Could you miss it? Because you're distracted and you're listening. Maybe, folks, maybe it's a word of exhortation. A word of, hey, you need to work on this, or you need to think about this, or, or God wants to deal with you in, in this area. It is so easy, especially in the context of a group of us, to miss what God might want to say. I've said this before. I think the Holy Spirit is in the business of linking us together for our good. He is in the business of connecting people so that his kingdom would be advanced. And we do that better if we are good listeners. If we are good listeners. Mary not only chose to be in the center of the circle. You know, I'm envisioning, I'm a, I don't know, I'm envisioning a living room, right? And, 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 there's, a, and there's a circle and, and Peter and James and John and, and you know, and they're, and Judas and they're, and they're, and they're around and, and there are different places to sit. My, my daughter sometimes likes to sit on the floor you know, Mary parks herself where? At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. So not only does she choose a prime spot, but she chooses to open her ears. Next, number three, Christian fellowship is important. Okay? We could gloss past that in this passage. This passage, friends, is a gathering of friends that believe in the Master. It's a gathering of friends. A vital aspect of the development of our personal communion life is who we spend time with. Note that Mary was hanging out with Jesus and his disciples. I think it's tough to grow as a believer on your own. I said, I think it's tough to grow as a believer on your own. It's real tough in a society with as many distractions as this one that we're living in. It's real tough. Which brings us to Martha. Martha's focus on preparing a meal for her guests is admirable. Amen? As we said early in this message, thank you to those who serve. But it appears that in her zeal for serving and providing a great meal for the guests, Martha grew frustrated. I think all of us can identify with this. I think we can all identify with recognizing that we sometimes are stuck with doing more than our share of the work. <laughs> wow. Sure we are. Sure we are. We find ourselves in, in situations where we are stuck with more of the work than we bargained for. We find those situations at work, don't we? Wow. 
I think one of the most difficult things, I'm, I'm a manager, okay? I'm, I manage a department in our company. It's a small department. But if I'm not careful, I can overburden one of my guys with tasks compared to the other guys. There's seven guys on my team. And I can easily overburden one. And you know why it's easy to overburden one? Because he's going to get the job done. <laughs> because he's going to get there. Why was Martha in the kitchen? Because Martha's in the kitchen. Because <laughs> it's what Martha does. It's, it's who Martha is, right? It's Jesus and the disciples. Mary goes, great. I want to hear the words of Jesus. And Martha hits the kitchen. <laughs> Right? Huh? You know? Right? Right? It's true. It's true. It's kind of nature of who we are. Point number four. We must work on minimizing distraction in our lives. We must work on minimizing distraction in our lives. Distraction here found in verse 40 literally means to be pulled in different directions. If, I, if you don't remember a thing, another thing I say today, remember that our life is full of distractions and they literally, these distractions pull us in different directions, don't they? They pull us in different directions. I go back to my work life. Our company was bought six months ago and I am loaded with tasks that have to do with the transition of our company from two companies to one I had enough to do already <laughs> huh you know we're, we're pulled over here and this is really important I, I will never forget uh, some talks that I've heard in past years pointing out the difference between the urgent and the important. The urgent and the important. Aren't we constantly measuring those things? Aren't we constantly, you're, you're, you're literally making judgment calls on how you're going to spend your time. Distraction literally means to be pulled in different directions. How accurately does that describe so many of our lives these days? Pulled in different directions. I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think for a moment the directions you get pulled in. You get pulled in. I think that the text that says Martha was distracted by all the preparations relates directly to the words that Jesus responds to her with when he said, you are worried and upset about many things. Let's link those two thoughts together. One is, Earlier in verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations, and then later in the text, Jesus says, you are worried, and you are frustrated, and you are at your wit's end, doesn't he? Not in so many words, but that's really what he's saying here. He says, Martha, you're worried, and you're, and you're frustrated, and, you're, and, and, and you, you know, you're, you're not in a good place here. Thank you to those of you who serve us. Please don't get frustrated in it. Please, please don't get, please don't get bitter because you feel like you're doing too much of the work. We love you and we thank you for what you do when you serve. What are the things in daily life and our functions of serving that eventually develop into distraction, worry, and stress. I said, what are the things in your life and in your functions of serving and working and doing the things that you do that lead you to distraction and worry and stress? I think it's worth 
honestly dealing with that question, when you, when you stand back in the mirror of time and you look at how you spend your time in your life, what are the things that lead you to frustration? What are the things that lead you to... I, I hear people say, when I'm doing this, it energizes me. It, it, it builds me up. It's, it's who I'm supposed to be. When I'm doing this over here, it just drains me and it makes me tired. And I, and I, you know? I, I think we're built, we're created as, as humans by, by God to have, to have some sensibility in how we spend our time and our life. Can I say that to you this morning? Remember what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 12? Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They do, they do not have a storeroom or barns, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to your life? He nails that subject, doesn't he? May I say that I'm running into people that are stressed these days. Huh? I'm running into people that are freaked out about this life, about this culture. I'm running into people that are a mess about the future. I'm running into people that are just wigged out about finance. I'm running into people that don't know where to turn. Remember when we talked about hopelessness back at Advent? I want you to think about the people you're running into and the comments that are being made and the, and the, and the, and the characterizations of the, of the conversations. People are a mess, folks. Yes. Yeah. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. I got you. Amen. Say, I got you. I got you. Huh? You ever, you ever have somebody say to you, Jesus got this? Jesus, those are, those are encouraging words. See, the problem here is not that Martha was serving and Mary was at Jesus' feet. The problem is that Martha got distracted and worried and frustrated. Don't put yourself in that position. There's a two-letter word. You know what it is? No. The two-letter word is no. no. <laughs> do, you know, do, do you know when to say no? Because we find ourselves in such a situation that we are leading ourselves to frustration, we are leading ourselves to distraction, we are leading ourselves to worry, we are leading ourselves to coronary artery disease. Right, Rhonda? Rhonda's worried about my stress level, just to tell you. Just to tell you. The problem is that Martha is distracted and worried and frustrated. I don't think Jesus is scolding Martha here. You hear me? I don't think Jesus is scolding Martha here. I think he's reminding her about priorities. I think he's reminding her about what is important. What's the most important thing here? The master's in the house. Say the master's in the house. And, and, and he's friends of this family, you guys. This is not total strangers wandering into your house. This is this is a group of friends gathering for a meal. This is fellowship. More than a bunch of fellows in the same ship. This is fellowship. This is coming together with the master in the house. What a, uh, I'm, that makes my heart joyous. How about you? 
How, that makes me think, wow, what, how, how awesome would that be to sit in that living room? Huh? Any of you? Any of you going to buy a ticket for that one? How awesome would it be to sit in that living room and enjoy the fellowship of the disciples, those that have been sitting at his feet? How awesome would it be to hear directly from him his teachings? How awesome would it be? That's this gathering. That's this gathering. The master's in the house. And he's friends with, and I even venture to say, he loves this family that he is visiting. He loves these folks. I, I, I hope you have some friends like that. That when you're in their home, there's just this, there's just this sense of being, being together and, and loving one another and caring for one another. We, we, we said that earlier. Position yourself. Position yourself so that you spend time and you're in this circle of people that, that we're, we're living this life together. Have you, haven't you heard people say that? You know, We're living life together. We're walking through life together. This distraction thing's bugging me. This distraction thing, um, I've thought about it from time to time, and, and I didn't live in the society and the in the situation we now find ourselves in, and I've thought about distraction in past years, but hello, there are added distractions. There are added distractions. I think that I need to guard myself from distraction, and I bet you, you do too. You need to guard yourself from distraction because by our very definition earlier in the text, what does distraction do? It pulls you. So if I'm walking the path that I'm supposed to be walking and I get distracted, what's it do? Huh? pulls me. It moves me. It shifts me. It, it rearranges my priorities. It changes what I felt was an important God calling in my life kind of priority, and it pulls me over to something else. That's the very nature of distraction. Distraction. Oh, and it's so very, very easy to get distracted. Honey, did you hear the, did you hear anything that I just said? <laughs> I was distracted. I was distracted. Distraction means pulled in different directions. Sweetheart, I love you, but I was pulled somewhere I, I was pulled in a different direction and I didn't hear what you just said to me. Distraction. I read a pretty good article this week as I was doing a little research here. Um, and, and this person laid out several things that will help us guard against or minimize distraction. And I want to just lay them out for us today just as kind of a practical, practical sort of thing. Okay? You might want, I think you can easily find that article. It's like, 10, 10 ways to minimize distraction. Uh, there's so much. I mean, it's crazy. It's, we're very distracted by this crazy internet, right? Huh? Aren't we? Aren't we? Aren't we? But let me, let me name some of these, and, and I'll make a few comments. First one is, uh, identify what distracts you. Okay? Take a step back and identify what tends to distract you. Determine, determine what that looks like. When so, so maybe if you, if you, you know, you're, 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 walk, you're walking along and you, and you, once you find your way back, turn around and look and go, okay, what pulled me, what pulled me to the side? All right? Now, I'm, I'm making a physical illustration here, but it's a, it really is a time and priorities thing that we're mostly talking about, isn't it? Yeah. So what took me from 
what took me away from the priority thing here? All right? Identify. Say identify. Secondly, eliminate whatever distractor, distractions you can. Now, some of them you're not going to eliminate. I, I just got to tell you, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to eliminate all distraction. Because some distraction demand your attention. Hmm, that was pretty good. Some distractions demand your attention. There's just no question about that. You can't avoid that in this life. If you have a family, huh? Huh? If you have a family, some distractions demand your attention. <laughs> you, you know? You know? If you're trying to work from home and you got a and you got a couple of toddlers that you're also watching at the same time, some distractions demand your attention. Demand your attention. Eliminate whatever you can of of distraction. It's worth it. It's worth it, friend. Eliminate whatever you can of distraction. Third, change your environment. Change your environment. I think we talked about it earlier. The place where we find ourselves trying to have quiet time with the Lord is, is important. But that also applies overall. Maybe changing your environment would be what my mother in Pennsylvania Dutch language calls redding up. That means organizing and, and cleaning up and getting, and getting things, a place for everything and everything. And any of you ever hear that before? My mother, my mother said, Called my mom, you know, on the phone. What you doing? Oh, I'm just reading up a little bit. You know, that's that's Pennsylvania. I don't know, you guys. It's Pennsylvania Dutch. Uh, you and I would say I'm, you know, I'm cleaning up a little. I'm organizing a little. Uh, how much difference does it make to take a space that is cluttered, a space that's kind of a mess, that you can find what you need, but you've got to dig past other stuff to get to it? I'm horrible here, you guys. <laughs> this is work for me. This has worked for me. Change your environment and, and make it a better functioning space for you. I think that's worth the effort. Amen? Amen. I think it's worth the effort. Here's a good one. Have a daily task list. Okay. Have a daily task list. Here are things that Scott Snyder should accomplish at Buddy Rogers Music between 9 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday. You know? And, and like your calendar, if you don't look at it, it doesn't help you. You know, it, it, it makes no difference. If you pay some attention to it and, and check them off and knock them off, it'll, what it ends up being is kind of a guide for your day. It's just a practical thing to think about, everybody. It's a practical thing to think about. All right. Monitor your thoughts. Monitor your thoughts. Mm. If your thoughts start to wander, start to stray, recognize it and find a way to get back on get back on track. Rabbit trail. Do you ever get a song stuck in your head? I play these Carpenters concerts. There are songs in the Carpenters music that get stuck in your head and you cannot let them go. And, and, and a song will get, and it will just, it'll just cycle through your mind as a musician that, that, that just drives me nuts. A number of years running, and I came across somebody that said that the Baby Elephant Walk song if you think about it, will help you to break free of whatever other song is in your head. I don't know, you guys. You know the one I'm talking about? They, they say, now we all have that song stuck in our head, you know, for the rest. But they say when you get a song stuck in your head, if you think about the baby, I don't know, I don't know. But find a way, listen, find a way that if your thoughts distract you, if, if your thoughts go down a path, find a way to, to get a handle on that, get a control on that, and get back where you ought to be. Get back where you ought to be. Okay? Reaffirm your goals. Reaffirm your goals. Or, maybe 
you need to establish some goals. Now, I want you to understand I'm not a big motivational goal setting kind of kind of speaker. You won't hear me talk about it often. But if you don't have a direction to go, you probably will get there. <laughs> okay? Okay? If you if you don't have a destination in mind, you probably will get there. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, I think it's good to have a, a God-given, God-realized, God-breathed goal in your life. And it might be a couple of different things. There might be a couple of different things that are out there. And you say, you know what? I, Lord, lead me, but I, I really believe I'm being led to this. We have a dear friend that, that we met with yesterday. Um, and... Uh, when Ron and I were first married, we, we met a couple, and we just spent an unbelievable amount of time together when we were first married, and, and we were both Christian, young Christian couples, and, and it, just was a, it just was a really great friendship that, that we had through those years, and, and, and she's one of those friends that we don't see her sometimes for three, four years at a time, and when we get back with her, it's like we've been, you know, you know those kind of friends, you know, and... And, and, and we, we, we sat with her yesterday for a while, and, and, and she's really struggling for this next place right now. And she, she took a step of faith and stepped into missions, missions work, and she's been, she's been all over the world, and her, the music group that she's part of is touring the United States right now, but, but she's really struggling. She's really struggling. And, and, and Ron and I tried to encourage her, but guys, you come to these places where... You, you know, God got to put something out there ahead of you, but but maybe there's a maybe there's a curve in the road or a or a hill to get over, or it's it's not. I'm not saying well once you set once you set the goal, there's nothing to it. No, not at all, not at all. If anything, if anything, it may be may be more difficult, and therefore my ability to manage distraction becomes all the more important. If I don't manage distraction, that goal only gets farther away instead of closer. This, this message to me today, this text to me today, guys, is, is so much about distraction and managing and, and minimizing distraction. This writer of this list also put in, beware of the devil. Beware of the devil. Scripture says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You talk about the ultimate distractor. The ultimate distractor. The enemy wants to knock you off track. Because if your goal is God-breathed, he wants nothing to do with you getting there. If God's put something into your life, if he's put a word into your life, a mission into your life, a, 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 a task into your life that, that he wants to, he, he has just filled you up with that task, the enemy doesn't want you to accomplish that. He wants you to get discouraged and distracted. You know? Beware of the enemy. And one more, recognize and take advantage of the good distractions. Oh, I like this one. <laughs> you know, we all need a break sometimes. It's important to recognize and take advantage of, of healthy, good distractions. They can revitalize your energy, allowing you to refocus with a clear mindset. Good distractions typically are taking a break to do something that will give you a positive boost, like meditating, taking a walk, singing a song, laughing, writing, listening to music, eating a snack. I like that one. Eating a snack. I like that one. Reading, playing with your kids, you know, what, what, whatever. Is there, is there some way, is there some way that, that you can work in a, a little break. 
I, that's legit, you guys. It, it could seem like a distraction, and don't let it don't let it become a long time distraction. Let it refresh you. Say refresh, refresh. Could y'all use some refreshing? I, I'll tell you what. Uh, in in so many of our days, we find ourselves weary by two p.m. <laughs> huh? That could be because you ate too much lunch. I I, I, I I don't know, but. But guys, take a break. Take a break. Get a little get a little refresher for a few moments. For a few moments. Staying focused and overcoming distractions doesn't mean all work and no play. It means doing what needs to be done to accomplish your goals while also allowing room to regroup as needed. In fact, it is our, in our best interest to allow for good, healthy distractions. I want to remind you that Martha had purposely invited Jesus to their home. I don't know if she sent him a note. I don't know, but, but this home was a welcome place for Jesus and his disciples, and Martha, Martha meant that. That, that was, Martha sincerely wanted them to be there, right? Amen. Amen. But she was so caught up in, in doing the tasks that even when he arrived, she may not have even stopped to spend any time with him. Did, when, when Jesus came through the door, did, did, did Martha and Jesus have a little greeting time? I don't know. I don't know. Sure she did. <laughs> <laughs> when I thought about preaching this message this morning, somebody in our congregation's face was seen as I was... Don't get so caught up in your goals that the goals themselves are distractions from what is most important. Say most important. Most important, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Remember? Jesus was asked, so what's the most important commandment? You remember what he said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the, all the other stuff, all the other stuff hangs on that hangs on that. One more point and we'll close. Communion life can be a life in the presence of Jesus. Communion life can be a life in the presence of Jesus. I want to tell you that if you practice some of the things we've talked about this morning it will enhance your life with Jesus. Amen. It will enhance your life with Jesus. Okay? Communion life. Sitting in his feet, becoming a follower, becoming a disciple. As we develop a lifestyle, say lifestyle, lifestyle. habits that honor God, and are healthy for us, we find ourselves in relationship with our God. <laughs> See, I, I, I almost didn't mention a, a place and, and quiet time in our lives today. I almost didn't mention it all because I want us to see a wider picture. I want us to see the wider picture of walking with Jesus and him being present in our lives every hour of every day. And I submit to you that if you begin to practice some of the things we've talked about this morning and other good Bible principles, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Daily relationship we can call communion life. The word union is part of the word communion. The word union is part of the word communion. We are united with God in a life partnership. We are united with God in a life partnership. Communion life develops into a conscious awareness of the abiding presence of God in our daily walk. I said, communion life develops into a conscious awareness of the abiding presence of God in our daily walk. 
That makes my heart happy, friend. An abiding presence. So we find many benefits to communion life, don't we? One of the biggest is that we are going through a tough time. When we are going through deep water, we know he is present with us. How do we know that? When you're walking through tough times, how do you know that he's with you? Because you've nurtured a communion lifestyle. Because you've built in your life relationship with God through the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. And then when you walk through tough water, there he is. Amen. As compared to when you walk through tough water and you really question if God even exists. If you don't develop communion life, if you don't develop a lifestyle that senses God's presence every day and every hour, when you walk through tough times, you may go, God, where are you? God, where are you? Do you even exist? Has this all been, a, has this all been false? Why do you take the time and effort to develop a communion lifestyle? I think you do it because it brings such joy all the time, but you most certainly do it for those times when you walk through tough times. Some of the most powerful testimonies I have ever seen, some of the most powerful examples that I have ever seen are not when people are on the mountain rejoicing, but when they are in the valley struggling. And they still are able to say, God is with me. I think if we don't take the time and the effort to develop godly habits in our lives, minimize distraction, get in the word, be in prayer, be in fellowship with other brothers and sisters, I think we hit the wall when we come to tough times. Even tougher if they're long-term tough times. It seems like it's just our dear friend that we talked about yesterday. She's got uh, she's got knee problems, and when they they travel and they're all over the place, and the knee problem accentuated her struggle. It, it just it just has. Paul talked about a, a thorn in the flesh. You know, the the a physical problem will enhance where you're struggling emotionally. If you're struggling emotionally, a physical problem will just add to it, won't it? But if you're living communion life, but if you're walking next to him, it's almost like, it's almost like you can, you can feel his hand. Huh? It's almost like you can hear his voice. It's, it's almost like if you need to, you can sit at his feet like Mary did. Communion life. As we walk with God each day, let's work on finding a way to sit at his feet. Listen to his words. Find a way to listen to his words each day. And most importantly, let's develop the personal tools to minimize distraction to minimize distraction. We minimize distraction and we thank God that he is present with us in our lives every day. And we become disciples living a communion life, more conscious day after day of his abiding presence with us. Amen? Amen. Father, for your word, we give you thanks. Lord, I thank you so much for those who serve, for those who are dedicated to your cause in, in whatever they're doing. And I pray, Lord, you would guard them from frustration. I pray, Lord, that you would help us all to be guarded 
from distraction, be guarded from frustration, be guarded from, uh, from a sense of, 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 of not knowing that you are there. I pray, Lord, that if there are those today that need just a reminder from you, that yes, you are there. Yes, you are present. Yes, you care. Yes, you love. I pray, God, that you would give that reminder today. I pray, Lord, that if there are those that are struggling with long-term struggle and it's starting to wear on them, just remind them of your love, Father. Just remind them of uh, the peace that passes understanding. And we'll give you honor and praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.